Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's July 27th, 2023, and this is Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in Web3. I'm Matthew Hells-Barbie, and as always, I'm here with Austin Knight. How are you doing, Austin? Oh, I'm doing well, Matt. Um, trying to navigate my way around this rebrand of Twitter into X. How weird. <laughs> it's just... I don't, what what are we even doing anymore? It it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a weird one. The only thing worse than the rebrand rebrand is the endless stream of Twitter threads uh, from random quote unquote influencers talking about their analysis <laughs> so of the true. migration. <laughs> it's just like Jesus. Uh, yeah, Matt, you I know like. What- I have a much better way for you to spend your time, and that yeah. is to watch the congressional hearings on aliens. Oh my God. <laughs> did you see? Did you see my tweet yesterday? Oh yeah, that was classic. Yeah, I, I literally, I walked into for for anyone listening. I walked in. I'd, I'd just been in a few meetings. Come out, walk into like my front room. Uh, there was like going into the kitchen to grab some more. My, my wife just turns to me, Matt. I think aliens are real. I just was like, <laughs> Laura, I just, this is not the right time or place ever for that sentence. So I'm just going to leave and just walked off. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it just, life is getting stranger, isn't it? And it, <laughs> I will say, I don't have an opinion necessarily either way on aliens. So it's certainly not pro alien at this stage. I just don't even want to be in the conversation. I don't want it to be that this is the primary conversation that's happening at the moment is aliens exist. Um, now, here's the thing, Matt. In defense of Laura, um, she has probably walked in on you over a hundred times and heard something to the effect of, hey, check out this thing called Goblin Town. That's <laughs> yes, very true. Very true. Crypto is effectively extraterrestrial in that respect. Um, but yeah, I gosh, I don't know. Well, I mean, speaking of the future, speaking of things seemingly out of this world, we've got a bit of a, I hate to, to use this, but a bit of an eye-opening episode today, uh, where we're going to be discussing the dystopian future that we're walking into where we all get our irises scanned, um, in, in exchange for receiving a small gesture of cryptocurrency. This is of course the world coin project, which I'm not sure how many of our listeners have been following this. If you're even remotely on crypto Twitter, I'm sure you've heard some of this. This is the project company that, uh, the, one of the co-founders, Sam Altman of um, OpenAI, ChatGPT Creators, is also co-founder of WorldCoin. We're going to dedicate this episode to digging in and uncovering a load of information about what the hell's going on here. What is WorldCoin? We're going to talk a bit about the tech, some of its implications. And then we're also going to dig into the token, which is in its own right uh, a major point of discussion. And we're going to talk through some of the implications and uh, what our our take is on what is probably becoming the most controversial crypto project in a long time. Um, yeah. So why don't we dive right in? Let's do it.
Picture this. You're in Colombia. You are in a queue of hundreds of people stretching round various buildings while you wait to walk into a strange room that kind of smells a bit sweaty. It's because there's been a lot of people in it that day and you peer into this strange orb to have your iris scanned simply to get a little ID that means you can receive some potentially worthless tokens every day for the rest of your life. Isn't that a future you want to live in, Austin? Oh Isn't gosh. it just? Well, this... You just, you just wrote a Black Mirror episode, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, there is a, an enormous Venn diagram, I think post-2020, of Black Mirror episodes <laughs> and real world. And I think we've been living in that intersect for a while now. But what we're going to talk about in our own little mini Black Mirror today is WorldCoin. And this is very much real. Please do not take anything that we're saying as uh, sarcasm or, or humor. This is very real and is, is happening right now. So let's talk about WorldCoin. It is a project with a lot of funding, hundreds of millions of funding, and backed by, I mean, of course, it's backed by A16Z, but some of the, uh, and the rest of the big VCs in the world. It's... I quote, founded with the mission of creating a globally inclusive identity and financial network owned by the majority of humanity. Sounds, sounds pretty good so far. I like it. If successful, WorldCoin could considerably increase economic opportunity, scale a reliable solution for distinguishing humans from AI. Okay, I like that. While preserving privacy dubious, but you know, I, I like that that's the emphasis and enable a global democratic process, highly unlikely, and show a potential path to an AI funded UBI, universal basic income. <laughs> so, so what we've basically got here is one mission that encapsulates probably 10 different in their own right, Herculean global yeah. missions in one. Uh, so why don't we why don't we talk about how WorldCoin is achieving or trying to achieve these pretty lofty goals? I think probably the best place that we start is by digging into the tech. Right. So let's talk about that. We mentioned orbs. Uh, effectively, at the center of WorldCoin is an orb that scans your iris at a very high resolution using some proprietary tech that they've built. So this is how they create what they're calling proof of personhood. There's a white paper that they released. Uh, we can link to it in the, in the description if you're curious to take a look at it that um, basically de describes how they uh, take this step to verify your identity and determine whether you're a real and unique person and not an AI, for example. Um, so what we're talking about here is Matt was describing this room that people can go into. There's we, You've probably seen, if you've been following this, tweets um, of lines uh, going around the block of people like lining up to go to these rooms where there is a, a ball, basically. Uh, it's like a silverish, whitish ball, maybe <laughs> about the size of your head. I, I, it's hard to describe, but... Um, it's just so bizarre. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this ball has a giant uh, wide-angle camera lens on it, and you look into it, and it scans your iris, and then um, determines your push personhood. And then once that has happened, you will receive what is called a world ID. So this is basically your digital passport. Now, it's important to note that this isn't KYC. They're not really collecting like any additional PII, personally identifiable information here. Um, it's it's just a, a a determination or proof of your unique personhood. Um, which this is this is the interesting piece, right? Because mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> we we've talked in the past. I remember in 2017, 2018, we talked a lot about all of the various projects that were spun up to create this idea of like a decentralized identity protocol. Um, and, and there are so many of of them out there right now, but. A lot of it is about, you know, verifying your identity. And I think this this kind of, this notion, let's just park the whole like scanning your iris for, for, for now. This actually isn't really about verifying identity. It's kind of verifying your humanity, right? Mm. Like it's, it's, it's one step prior to that. And it's more a sign of the times, I think, than, than anything that we even need to begin doing this. I will say for what it's worth, the fact that Sam Altman, OpenAI co-founder, is also behind this project is, is probably gives you an inclination of like the fact that this is a real problem that is going to become a bigger problem, regardless of how I feel about this project, right? Like the problem that's being solved around verifying quote unquote personhood or proof of kind of humanity, right? It, it, it is absolutely going to be a, 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 an acute need that we have over the coming five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. It is, it's true. Uh, and uh, you know, that may be a little bit unintuitive now, but you, you probably have interacted with some form of media that, you know, was made by AI, obviously deep fakes being one of the most obvious examples of those. And I, I think that that's going to increasingly be a problem. Um, you know, you also having things like, Twitter accounts, uh, social media accounts, et cetera, that are run entirely by AI, not being able to distinguish the difference between them. I think that these are all attempts at that. Uh, anyway, once you have your world ID, you'll be able to log into the WorldCoin world app and you'll start receiving a daily allowance of world tokens, WLD tokens. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but that is sort of this first step uh, it, on the path to the rewards and incentives behind why somebody would get a world ID, but also on the path toward UBI, uh, which Sam Altman was, was describing in that quote that Matt read above uh, earlier in the podcast. Um, okay, so now you have logged into the world app and you've got your daily allowance of world tokens. Uh, what's happening behind the scenes? So your information is encrypted and stored on K, on chain rather, using ZK proofs. Um, so th the idea is that the information should be secure. Uh, we'll we'll dig more into the the limitations of that uh, later and and some of the concerns around it as well. But the point that's being made by the team is your information is stored on chain. It's encrypted. It's safe. Um, with that said, still 
the team is ramping up the distribution of orbs, right? So it's actually still pretty hard to uh, to to find an orb, to scan your iris, and to get a world yeah. ID. There aren't very many orbs available right now. Um, there is an application that you can fill out to become an orb operator, where they will interview you, they'll provide training, and then they'll actually ship you an orb, and you'll be compensated and world tokens for every new person that you onboard or, or basically each new iris that you get scanned. <laughs> this is, it's, you know, this is like pyramid scheme 101, right? Yeah, that's it's exactly just, what I thought. It I mean, just feels like, you know, I, I get it. This is kind of their growth loop that they're trying to kind of build out with with this. There is one thing that I thought was very interesting. I was listening to an interview with the, the Wildcoin team and in particular the CEO and... Ah oh, man, I am forgetting the CEO's name right now. But either way, uh, he's a he's a technical kind of founder, and they they were talking a bit about these orbs, and you know they they completely bespoke built these orbs and the cameras behind them. And one of the big things they were talking about in this, and you know, while the supply chain, why the supply chain is is very hard. I've been working on this for years now, but the there's lots of different ways that you can prove uniqueness people usually think about stuff like fingerprints right but actually at a global level fingerprints are not actually that unique um and um that that's why a lot of the time like fingerprinting is looked at on like a country level and even then it's not perfect i think one of the most uh, unique elements of a human is their gait actually the, mm-hmm. I, the way they walk um but that presents some challenges if you've got injuries and stuff your gait can change stuff like that so i think they were looking when they were talking about this at maybe like palms but it's not that possible and actually irises are probably the 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 best fit for for what they're trying to achieve that said if you want to scan someone's iris and at a global level Bear in mind, you're going to have to capture the uniqueness of every single iris. The level, like the the resolution of these cameras to capture the absolute nuance of every single iris to truly get this uniqueness, it's very, very high, very high. And so they've had to build these very uh, technically sophisticated orbs. And, and I think this is like one of the blockers, uh, but I, I think it's interesting. I know we're going to talk a little bit about this, but they kind of said, look, the orb is the starting point. We'll have these orb operators that are going to be compensated to get new people in. But what I thought was very interesting is they were saying how, but we see in the future, um, this is all open source. Other hardware can connect into it. And I, I was just like, how, how do you kind of maintain the control and quality and things like that if new tech can be integrated in maybe they've got plans for this but i i thought it was an interesting little wrinkle that uh the in in all of this that that could play out oh yeah absolutely i i I think that is certainly a concern um to your point yeah they are claiming that most of the tech is open source and that they have plans to fully open source the tech which sounds oddly familiar to me it sounds like a little company called open ai that started as a as an yeah. open source nonprofit trying to prevent uh you know destruction or risk from ai and then became a closed sourced for-profit <laughs> yeah. uh, pusher of ai right at the forefront of ai um and and you know maybe um the the entity that is that is 
propelling us the furthest and fastest toward this brave new world um, with AI, right? So I don't yeah. trust or believe any of that shit for a second. <laughs> um, Agreed, yeah. Yeah, but um, they, they, they also have mentioned, to your point, Matt, that they're going to be enabling the integration of other iris scanning hardware into the protocol in the future, which to me is kind of in direct conflict with their claims of around privacy and security and, and encryption and, you know, end-to-end control over... The, um, the the hardware and the software. Um, at the same time, the project claims to be fully decentralized. And, you know, I think you have to ask yourself, like, is this really the case with the distribution of tokens and the power uh, that grants in governments in governance? And we'll, we'll talk about more about that uh, shortly. Um, but uh, to me, you know, I, I do think that there is, you have to admit like there's some really interesting stuff here in in terms oh, of the hardware and the grand ambition of the project right i i completely agree you know there's a lot wrapped up here and i th- i've tried to i've tried to remain uh very objective in in thinking through wildcoin and i'll actually be honest i i this will probably come to light as we as we discuss I'm kind of still undecided on exactly how I feel about this because when, and I think when we get, we'll break down some additional parts to to this, which sway us in different directions. But at an objective level, when you think about the, the problem they're trying to solve objectively, this is a, and almost like categorically, the problem, if we take away the whole UBI and everything like that, but the problem around verification of like humanity of personhood, it, it, it's, an, it's a need. It's a need that is going to grow and grow and grow. This isn't just about purely like AI, but as we become more and more digitally native, as weird as that is to say that in this day and age, uh, as more of our financial lives become digital, I think CBDCs, something that, you know, me and you also, we talk about a lot and and digging a lot into this. But when we think about getting to the level of like when CBDCs come out and we need, uh, everyone has a digital wallet and, you know, how do you, how do you get to a level where you can avoid civil attacks, right? So like one person holding multiple wallets, multiple bank accounts in this respect, without just having to enforce tons of identity verification. There's a lot of problems that come in actually verifying your identity, right? Bear in mind, this is not proof of like, are you a person? This is having official documentation, which often is not like possible when you are homeless, underprivileged in areas of like, socioeconomic, like poor backgrounds, like people don't have passports, people don't have driving licenses, people don't have official government IDs in many cases. This isn't because they're illegal immigrants. This is something that is an acute problem in lower income and underprivileged groups where typically like either those documents cost a lot or require like a permanent place of residence or a job or the ability to pay for driving lessons, like these kind of things, right? And it's like, okay, well, if we can get to a level where we just prove humanity, can, can that be enough? And so I think there's there's elements here. And I'm getting a little off tangent, but I just want to like call out, I think there is a, a problem that's trying to be solved. And the tech 
is fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. It wraps up everything together. The conundrum that I think we face in trusting all of this is, and, uh, you know, I, I'll go back to the interview that I was listening to with the OpenAI team that included Sam Altman on there. And they were kind of talking about, uh, there was this moment in, in the interview and they're like, yeah, you know, like for, for all of, for the majority of us, this was our first job out of university. None of us have worked in like big companies. So we were, we we're figuring stuff out like a few years ago. And now we feel like we're a really high performing team. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, like, <laughs> This the the fate of what is an incredibly sensitive honeypot of of information is in the hands of people that objectively don't have an enormous amount of experience doing something at this scale. And I was just a bit like, ugh. Okay, so I think it's more questioning the motives versus the technology and the the solution mm-hmm. that I that I'm grappling with right now. Interesting. Yeah. Well, what about the token then? this is where this is where we get into the motives and this is where for all of my optimism around the 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 problem being solved the tech that it starts to sour on me so let's let's dig in and analyze the uh the the wild coin token So they've launched their token on Ethereum mainnet and now on Optimism, which is the layer two roll-up chain uh, to Ethereum. And it seems as though they're going to be building a chain on the the OP, on the Optimism stack, similar to how, as we've talked in previous episodes, that Coinbase is building their own standalone layer two on the OP stack called Base. Right now, though, they've just launched their token, um, and that's on Optimism's mainnet. I was uh, I was digging into the token economics, I was looking at liquidity and what's been happening since the the launch. And it's actually already on a lot of the larger exchanges that typically list things pretty quickly. The uh, Huobis, the Binances, OKX, etc. They're already there. And I think on its opening day, it saw nearly $200 million of 24-hour volume. I think the past 24 hours, it's done $152 million in volume. That's a lot, by the way. Uh, that is a lot. Its market cap sits at $250 million, which makes it around about 136 largest token by market cap. That's according to CoinGecko, pretty reasonable uh, region. So top, top 150 token by market cap for sure. So I was digging into... Um, the block explorer for uh, for optimism. There's a little under two hundred and fifty thousand unique holders on optimism as of today. That that in itself is kind of interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. um, Sam Altman and Co have been saying <coughs> that they've got millions of people with wild IDs, and uh, I, I was expecting a lot more unique token holders as as a result of that because they can start claiming their tokens. I, I did a little digging into this, and I think, while I don't know all the technicalities right now, but I think you can basically create your account and you don't need to like actually take things on chain just yet. So mm-hmm. that's probably why. But here's, so, okay. So it all kind of sounds somewhat normal right now. Here's where, here's where things like we get into the brass tacks and where things start, you start to see what's, uh, what's happening under the hood. Total supply of 10 billion. It's quite quite a large supply because it puts the fully diluted valuation at twenty three billion dollars. So that's when all of the tokens are in circulation and released uh, at the current price. It would be a twenty three billion 
FDV, which I'm pretty sure that would put it as like a top five token. Let me just, uh, let's get um, CoinGecko up, just see, would it put them in the top five? Let's show FDV. Uh, top 10. Um, it would actually be, yeah, the sixth largest. So it wasn't too far off. So you can kind of see the, the scale it's uh, that it's at in terms of the, the fully dotted valuation. So massive, massive FTV. That said, the, and I'll dig into like the circulating supply in a second. The supply remains fixed for 15 years. After that, and this is all baked into the white paper, the smart contract. After that, token holders can vote through governance vote to decide on adding an inflation rate of 1.5%. Um, so the, 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 the supply increases. Why, you might ask? Well, that's because only 143 million, bear in mind, it's a 10 billion total supply. Only 143 million tokens have been launched uh, into the circulating supply at launch. A very, very tiny amount of the supply. Over the next 15 years, the rest of the supply will be fully into circulation. And at that point, you know, if they want to keep airdropping to people, well, they might need to print some more, uh, for, for example. Now, <clears throat> here's the first big red flag. Whenever we see a massive total supply and only a small fraction of that being unlocked to begin with, there is just consistent unlocks of tokens, sell-offs, and bleeding. It's just like continuous inflation. And more importantly, near the beginning, if there is a crunch in supply, which there is, not a ton of liquidity, and a big chunk of early investors maybe get to unlock a load of their tokens early on, well, we kind of know what happens. And I think there's been a lot of criticism around the launch because the token pumped pretty hard right after the launch. I think within the first 24 hours, um, it, it was up pretty significantly and then crashed 40% in, in value in the following 24 hours. So you can kind of see um, that <laughs> it's it, it, someone's been dumped on basically here. And it's a uh, shocker retail. It's since rallied, it's still down around 10, 15%. But why, so why is this happening, right? Here's the big problem. Of the tokens circulating supply today, 43 million of that 143 million was set aside for early users. And 100 million were loaned to five major market makers outside the US. These loans have a duration of three months. And at the end of the three months, the market makers have the option to either purchase the WLD tokens or they can return the, the loan. So basically, these market makers just have a free ride of trading uh, and, and making a ton of gains on these, these tokens. And this is where the lion's share of all the trading activity is from, by the way just market makers trading with themselves. And when you look at the white paper, they pulled out this like little formula. And if we just assume that the 100 million tokens were distributed evenly across the five market makers, and I'll call out, we don't actually know that, but 
it's it probably is the case even reasonably to think that the purchase price that the market makers would have as an option to buy at the end of these three months would be $2.80. I think right now we're sitting at like $2.24. So this, this basically means, right, if demand is low, market makers control the liquidity. They can just drop that price down by selling a bunch to themselves, right? And then they could just buy them back at a lower price. If they stabilize that price at around about $2.80, it doesn't make sense to return the loans. And they just buy tokens on the open market. So it's it's basically just a win-win for the market makers, and they're just playing with retail funds continuously. And uh, you know, once that three-month loan period is up, what I would expect is liquidity to dry up a fair bit because these market makers, they won't have the incentive to support it after that. And you know, if you go on top of that, almost 10, 10% of the overall supply is allocated to early investors, such as, you guessed it, A16Z, who actually led that last round, and all of the, the others. And 5% of the initial token supply uh, is unlocked at the initial token generation event. So, you know, a big chunk of this is, is just the early, early investors, market makers, dumping on retail, as we always see. If that wasn't worse, right, a big chunk, and this will be like something that they will shout about as being a good thing, 75% of the total supply, which will be distributed over the next 15 years, is allocated to the community. This is the UBI they're talking about, which is just like, it's not really UBI. This is just them airdropping tokens continuously to their, their world ID holders. What, what are people going to do? when they keep getting these daily airdrops. We've seen this time and time and time again. You get airdrop tokens that you have no real use for. You convert them into USDC or USDT, and you cause a downward spiral in price. All these people thinking that they're getting in early uh, to, to Wildcoin, they're just going to watch this slow bleed of sell pressure just crumbling down, pushing price lower and lower and lower, after they've already been dumped on. Now, this, this is me speculating based on pretty much the playbook I've seen happen time and time again in all of this. And I just remain incredibly skeptical around this whole kind of motion. I mean, this is just a glorified Ponzi scheme to get people to scan their irises. And I get that you need to incentivize people, but you know, when you've got people speculating and putting their livelihood on the line in many cases uh, here, it, it just leaves a real sour taste in my mouth. So I think this for me is my biggest area of criticism is just like this token aspect. And it's just yet another example of where tokens are being used in a detrimental way. Um, and and it just I just don't believe it's even needed in, in this project. Yeah, I, I I think you're onto something there, Matt. And I think that your point around, you know, these tokens are being used to incentivize people to scan their irises is really well put. And it's focusing the conversation back on maybe the core motives behind the project. And then you have to ask yourself, well, why might someone want to incentivize people, the global world population, as ambitious as this project is, to hand over a scan of their iris. 
obviously the answer to that could be completely benign or it, it could be really dangerous uh, depending on, you know, which angle you take, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about how we feel about this whole thing. I, I think that there have been um, a lot of concerns floating around about it. And this is a good opportunity for us to break down those concerns and uh, dig into, you know, what, what might be a legit concern versus what might be just a little bit of fear mongering. So Vitalik put out a blog post uh, a few days ago where he outlined four concerns that I think uh, are, are mostly representative of the broad concerns that have been floating around. There are a few more that we can dig into after this, but I just kind of wanted to go through his points um, because I, I think, you know, he provides a really detailed and reasoned perspective given, you know, the role that he's played in the industry for so many years. Um, and basically in this blog post, the four concerns that he laid out were concerns around privacy, accessibility, centralization, and security. So let's start with privacy to begin with. Um, the point that he makes here is that the registry of iris scans could reveal information, right? At the very least, if somebody else scans your iris, they would be able to check it against a database to determine whether or not you have a world ID. But yep. potentially beyond that, iris scans could reveal more information, including a person's sex, their ethnicity, maybe even certain medical conditions. So yes, uh, while WorldCoin claims that they're not collecting PII, personally identifiable information, and thus the KYC process that we were talking about, it does go a little bit deeper than just collecting an iris. And I, I think that, you know, it, it would behoove us to not underestimate the importance of an iris scan and the amount of information that can be contained within. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I actually hadn't even really thought about that, but it makes a lot of sense um, in, in that respect as well. I think also the fact of being able to, match against kind of a, a database to see if you have a wild ID is also an enormous piece in all this kind of like the um, encrypted email discussion, right? It's like every, every email using SHA-256 encryption, like once you encrypt an email or a password, you know, the, that, that same email address, it's encryption key on the public level remains the same. So if you have that in one database and you, in, you you can still match the encryption keys together to work backwards to see if like someone's email address is in, in a database. So there's, there's, there's elements here. And I think there's also, you know, the big piece that we're going to talk about here on the accessibility side as well, right? Where you know, world IDs, this is what Vitalik was talking about. They're not going to be reliably accessible Unless there are so many orbs that anyone in the world can easily get to one. We, we kind of touched a little bit on this. Um, you know, it would be hard, quote, it would be hard to get to a world where there's an orb within five kilometers of everyone. And I don't even know, Austin, if that is a world I want to live with. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so um, it's a, a good point from Vitalik, right? But 
the the latest estimates is that 1500 to 2000 orbs will be available in 35 global cities this year. The total number of weekly registrations to ramp up from 40,000 people a week to 200,000. And Wildcoin, this is coming from Wildcoin, right, estimates that 2 million people have already signed up for a world ID. And the goal is to get up to 2 billion, which is a huge goal. Um, But, which is a very important point, is there's nothing to stop a government from banning orbs in their country or using this technology to coerce citizens. Um, I think that that is a key piece. And for all the decentralized efforts, like what's to stop Sam Altman and co getting subpoenaed and, you know, what, mm. what do they do then? I think one thing as well that uh, Vitalik doesn't uh, mention here that I was thinking about uh, a little bit before that's related to accessibility. You know, what, what happens if you lose or damage your eye, you know, the, the, there's, there's other pieces here, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, any anyone with like disabilities or if you have a glass eye, which I, like I myself anecdotally know like more than a handful of people with a glass eye, like what, what happens <clears throat> So I think it's like inclusivity pieces as well. Yeah. And which you would think, you know, if you're building a, network of IDs that is the size of the world. <laughs> it, right. It, it, there are going to be complications like that. That's actually a really interesting point, Matt. I mean, I have to imagine they've thought about that. And I wonder what the sort of fallback would be for for a case like that. I mean, it's it's not a trivial amount of people no. that are that are going to be dealing with something like that. Well, and even if like, even if you think about, okay, like you don't have uh like you still have your eye. What about if you have glaucoma? Like, can you scan mm-hmm. an iris if you have glaucoma? Probably not. And I'm pretty sure the stats on the amount of people with glaucoma in the global po- population will be pretty high. I'm actually going to check that while 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 you're while you're going through some of the other pieces. Yeah, and I mean, ironically, glaucoma is going to be, and the other injuries and disabilities that you mentioned are going to be especially common in the unbanked and underbanked or underserved areas of the globe that this project at least claims to be especially targeting, right? hundred uh, percent. And by the way, that number is 80 million. They expect it to go yeah. up to 111 million by 2040 with uh, glaucoma. I would like this project better if they, if they said, Oh, well, we'll fix your glaucoma. We'll, we'll have a, a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. forget the tokens, <laughs> fix my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that create tiny little orbs that you can replace <laughs> your eye with and uh, you can go around and like Terminator style scan people every time you look at them. Uh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be great? Yes. Okay. So there was a, a third uh, concern that Vitalik mentioned, which was centralization. So remember the orb is a hardware device and with hardware devices, we really have no way to verify whether it was constructed correctly and does not have back doors. It's just extremely difficult to yeah. do that. And, um, you know, the, 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 the team at WorldCoin, they're not, as we mentioned earlier, they're not planning to manufacture 100% of their orbs, like in-house or anything like that. They, they don't have end-to-end control over their supply chain. As far as I understand, mm-hmm. um, they will be using third-party manufacturers that are distributed around the globe. Now, you know, of course, this is not an uncommon practice in hardware 
manufacturing and engineering. Um, you know, your your iPhone was not literally manufactured by Apple, um, but it does introduce risk, especially when when you're dealing with multiple different manufacturers and you're talking about something where security is so, so important and it's going to be difficult to verify whether or not there are back doors. And with that said, even if the software layer is perfect and fully decentralized, the WorldCoin Foundation still is going to have the ability to insert a backdoor into the system, letting it create arbitrarily, you know, many fake human identities. And that's basically the core of what I would say is Vitalik's concern here. He said, quote, even if even one or manufacturer is malicious or hacked, it can generate an unlimited number of fake iris scan hashes and give them world IDs. So what he's concerned about mm-hmm. here is like the sort of proliferation of um, fake IDs, uh, which kind of destroys the whole purpose of the project, right? Proof of personhood needs ne- needs to be trustworthy. And if you can create fake proof of personhood, then there's really no point in having proof of personhood in the first place. I, I think that this does miss some additional concerns around centralization, um, yeah. particularly around like attack vectors for governments or malicious actors that might want access to this data, right? Um, Agreed. Yeah. And and so, you know, if you think about it, to me, the the uh, we'll we'll dig into security v- Vitalik's fourth concern next. But I, I think that the main points that he makes, yes, accessibility is very interesting. To me, that seems like more of a practical sort of scaling concern, which I think you know, with enough money, which this project certainly has a lot of and mm-hmm. will, um, that could be overcome. But privacy, security, and centralization risks; those are somewhat inherent to the architecture of the project. Think about it. Many governments would pay a lot of money for an iris scan of most of their citizens, which means that there are going to be incredibly high incentives for hacking. And it's nearly impossible to find backdoors in hardware. So having this level of information, a, a literal digital biometric passport, a scan of the irises of you know what what they're aiming for billions of people across the globe being managed by one corporate centralized entity to me is an incredible risk and attack vector and i don't like it <laughs> yeah i i i completely agree with you and I, you know i think it's worth us calling out as well at this point it's easy for us to sit here and pick apart a a project that ha- is, is has such lofty goals because actually a lot of the things that we're discussing, yep, they apply to WildCoin, but actually many of these challenges are faced by pretty much anyone that wants to solve kind of like the proof of personhood piece, you know, like the, it is. Uh, the, the security kind of side of things, you know, Vitalik was talking about how a user's phone could be hacked. They could be coerced into scanning their irises while showing a public key that belongs to someone else. 3D printing fake people, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a this is a fundamental problem, and it's why actually the wider umbrella of identity verification that I'll bucket this as one piece of that in is so so challenging to to solve. Does that mean that we should? stand by and accept and let this single entity go and try and figure this out i don't think so you know you let the genie out of the bottle here it's no putting them back in Mm -hmm. and 
this is a really delicate matter. And regardless of whether you believe the WorldCoin team to be moral, upstanding, attentive, like dedicated team that is is completely focused on their mission and is doing everything possible to protect the privacy and security of their users, which I'll, I'll go on record saying, I have no reason to believe why that isn't the case, just to be clear. I just think it is unbelievably difficult to stop some of these attack vectors from coming into play. Um, so I think this is really challenging. It's it's problematic on a on a lot of levels. I think there is enormous incentives at this kind of scale to really think about how you could capture this data and sell it to malicious actors. And I think you know, at any kind of scale that this creates, that will be an issue. Yeah, I, I, I think I, yeah, I think you're right. And the thing is, Matt, if the UN were doing this, or if the Chinese mm-hmm. government were doing this, or the US government were doing this, this would be like huge red alert. Do <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Like shut that down. You know, Austin. If we've learned anything. We always trust tech bros more than government. <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's basically where I was going with this, right? Yeah. Like, why why would we trust a, a huge tech entity? And I, I I do I will say like I have an enormous amount of respect and admiration for Sam Altman and many of the people that are working behind this. I mean, the the you know the the rise in in entrepreneurship, um, you know, from YC to OpenAI to now this, it's it's amazing, right? You, like. All of that aside, however, um, I, I think we have seen time and time again that there is incredible collusion between big tech, large tech entities, and government, corporations, and government, which also is a core tenant of fascism, by the way. People don't like mm-hmm. to talk about that, but it's the truth. And I think that that's happening more now, at least in, in the U.S., but you know, maybe even in the, the, the Western world right um that then it has in at least in my lifetime if not in history uh i don't see any reason why we would distinguish a a private corporation like worldcoin doing something like this and the risks associated with that from the risks associated with a government entity doing something like this to me it's one and the same it's equally dangerous to your point you know even under existing legal structures uh, Worldcoin could be subpoenaed, but yep. I think the, the, especially over the past couple of years, we've seen time and time again that like the existing legal structures are kind of being ignored, you know. Um, yep. And and this the 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 value of this information is so high; it's way way higher um, than than the value of information that that so many existing tech companies have. I, I think that you know even in our existing paradigm with like Google and Meta and Microsoft and all of the these companies and and the challenges that we've seen around privacy and security there, this is like taking it to a whole other level. Um, and you know, Matt, we were talking about like the legitimate problems around proof of personhood and everything like that. And I, I can see that. And maybe to a certain extent, this is just my own ignorance. But I still find myself asking, like, who even asked for this? Like, does <laughs> does your average person just you know beyond the crypto sphere even want something 
like this? I don't think they do, at least not yet. And I, I get that maybe Sam Altman is like, you know, predicting 10 years ahead, yeah, the future with AI, like a need and everything like that. But um, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel necessary to me at this point, to be perfectly honest. And maybe that's where part of the skepticism is coming from. Yeah, I don't think that we have felt the effects of the need for this right now in the same sense that I think 10 years ago, I don't think we really understood the the need for certain levels of privacy and decentralization in our in our life right now, more so from the 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 grips of large tech and more so ad tech. But <clears throat> I I believe this will become a very well understood problem. I think we're far away from that right now. I think the somewhat ironic element of this is Sam Altman has almost felt uh, created product market fit for this product by introducing his open AI product to create the very problem that they're trying to solve. So, you know, there's, there's a, there's some real, there's some real entrepreneurship shown there, but <laughs> a jokes to one side, I think that this for all of its critics, for all of its plaudits was always going to be a very divisive, controversial project and i i for one am incredibly skeptical that it will be able to succeed in even any of its missions i think that the ubi angle is absolute nonsense um and i think that their token economics basically put paid to that i'm very skeptical that people at scale will flock to the orb, um, especially once the incentive that they're being waved in front of them is somewhat worthless, being the token. And uh, like in all projects like this, which I think we're yet to see happen so far with AI, but will almost certainly happen, is the first time something really goes wrong, things will really go wrong. Yeah, And I think people will kind of get wise to that. I'll, I'll kind of pull akin to the Cambridge Analytica scandal being a landmark moment in data privacy and ad tech and really opening the world's eyes to what can go wrong. And I think there'll be a Cambridge Analytica moment in AI very soon that we face, which may further fuel the need for something like this. But I think also this this area will have its own issues. But I would, uh, I'll say we're, we're, we're at time now, so we're going to wrap things up. I would love if any of you that are listening to this podcast have had your iris scanned through mm-hmm. Wildcoin, have opinions, please tweet us. I would love to hear about the process and what you're kind of thinking around it is. I, I genuinely would love to and love to better understand and have a good conversation about what the experience was like because I'm I'm actually just generally very curious and fascinated about it. But until then, Austin, we'll go get our irises scanned and I'll, uh, I'll see you in our dystopian future next week. Talk to you then, Matt. Contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.